Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is your Saudi Arabian Grand Prix 2022 review. I'm loving the fact that those two are rhyming this season. It's, it's going to really entertain me throughout. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this was a race that included many things. Um, there was a battle between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc once again. There was a new pole sitter this weekend. And we actually got a race. Um, we, it didn't look like there was going to be a race at about 2 a.m. on Saturday morning. So that was positive at least. And there's many more things that we're going to discuss. We, being Jimmy and I, there's no Joe. Because Joe has been a bit silly, hasn't he, Jimmy? Well, yeah. Let's maybe not discuss it in front of the whole of the viewers. Uh, but rest assured, it's nothing serious. And he'll be back next time. Don't worry. He hasn't impaled himself on a, a gate or something like that. He's going to a be date. here next time. So don't worry. Yeah. It, my it, universe... This is going to be a bit off-piste already. But I was speaking to my... Uh, school teacher at school and he it was his first night out I think it was down in London and he said that um, somebody impaled their head on a gate is that why gate uh, came up there it did yeah on on that interesting way to begin we hope that Joe is safe and well and that he completes his dissertation on time Um, because that's what he's you've let the cat out of the bag there but I did but never mind (laughs) Let's get on to Formula 1, Jimmy, because that's what we need to talk about tonight, because it is Sunday night. We've just watched pretty good Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. How would you rate it out of 10, Jimmy? So, yeah, I'd give it a 7 out of 10. I thought the the racing was good, you know, the the battle with Ocon and uh, Alonso uh, and also... uh, Verstappen and Leclerc was fantastic. Um, I think it's a better racing than last season. Um, and yeah, it's really positive for the regulations, to be honest, um, considering we were two races in and it does genuinely look like the cars are easier to race close together. Um, and it will make for really thrilling races at places like Silverstone and uh, th- those sort of races where overtaking is a bit easier. Absolutely. And we'll get onto that in just a few seconds. I... I think I'll agree with you. Seven. That sounds about right. A friend of the show, Liam, uh, gave me a call. He said he doesn't want any spoilers, but he wants a rating out of five. Um, And I gave three and a half. Therefore, out of ten, it equates to seven. And I've got to stay consistent with what I tell my friends and what I tell you. And, of course, (laughs) you are my friends, those that listen. We will begin our awards for this weekend, and Jimmy had mentioned it just then, so I will continue on that theme, because the biggest winner for me, it was the new regulations in Formula 1. The racing was close, it was exciting, there was a bit of a lull at one or two points in the race, but you're always going to get that in a one and a half, two hour Formula 1 race. We had teammates battling Um, And we'll talk about that. We had the leaders battling and it was over multiple laps. People were coming back at each other. It wasn't just a a wave by, as Martin Brundle says, as a result of DRS. It was proper wheel-to-wheel racing, lap after lap. And it's really something that you can get your teeth stuck into. And it also means that if you have 
a bad qualifying day, like Lewis Hamilton did. You can't count them out. Anyone can have a decent day from anywhere. And that's good, isn't it, Jimmy? It is great, yeah. Um, Another thing that I'd like to say is Hamilton did really well as well. Um, The way he carved his way through the pack and um, got up to sixth. Obviously, the safety car didn't work out for him. But again, that shows that you can do very well in a circuit that's not necessarily the best for overtaking. Um, And it looks like, as you said, that the cars are very, very good to race. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned Lewis Hamilton. Was he your biggest winner? No, he wasn't. He it was uh, it was Max Verstappen uh, simply because he won the race. Uh, he needed to claw the points back, to be honest, after the DNF in Bahrain because otherwise uh, he'd be thirty-two points behind, and that's quite significant in a championship that's going to be quite close. You know, Lewis and Max, obviously, um, last season it was all very close, and every point matters, and if. Verstappen wants to retain the world title. He needs to start getting quite a few points. And he got some on the board this weekend for the first time. 25 to be exact. Didn't get the fastest lap of the race. That went to Charles Leclerc in the closing laps. Now, as we speak, um, three drivers are under investigation or being called to the stewards uh, because they didn't appear to slow down under double-waved yellows. Now, for those of you new to flags, yellow flags, you need to slow down. Double-wave yellow flags, you need to slow down and be prepared to stop. Now, it would appear that Carlos Sainz, who finished in third place, Sergio Perez, who finished in fourth place, and Kevin Magnussen, who finished in ninth place, they all had moments where they didn't slow down in the area of the track where there was a car left on the side because Alex Elbon had retired from the race. Now, hopefully, they're quite clear-cut with the way that they made this decision. Um, It's it's the first time that the new race directors have had to make a decision like that. Do you think that they're going to make it clear you can't get away with stuff like this or do you think that they're just gonna leave it what what are we thinking jimmy i'm not sure um that's another thing i'd like to talk about is the fia i don't think they've covered themselves in glory particularly so far um in this race particular i mean i think there's a new um directive which says the teams figure it out between themselves if they need to give back a place or not um which is all very well but i mean if it's happens in the last two races what's going to happen or last few races where points are very critical um what's going to happen and it just seems to be not much sort of continuity with the virtual safety car the safety car and red uh, yellow flags and that sort of thing so maybe that's something they need to look at going forward i see where you're coming from but i'm going to argue the other side what that means is you don't get what happened in saudi arabia last year where max was asked to give the place back by the race director and then the stewards applied a five second penalty and then he had both uh, because he took a while to listen to the instructions so i suppose it's like if you if you know you're in the wrong and everyone should know the rules of racing if you cut a corner you got to give him give back the position if you gained one from it if you don't give back the position that's when they then are going to get involved because that way they're not going to have to 
have all these investigations going on. They can focus on the big incidents, if you like. That's just that's just my opinion. We love a bit of debate on this podcast, as we know, Jimmy. Um, and no, it's a very good point. Very but good. that's that's where I think they're coming from there. But you might well be right, and I might well be wrong, and vice versa. Who knows? Uh, let us know. <laughs> what have we got down as your biggest loser? I, my biggest loser um, is Fernando Alonso, uh, unfortunately. Um, he drove a brilliant race, had a great battle with um, Ocon, got the better of Ocon. Um, and yeah, was driving a very solid race. And then unfortunately his car packed up. Um, and uh, it didn't score any points and didn't finish. And he was livid, wasn't he? He was, yeah. I'd be as well, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's just a real shame. Um, there's quite a lot of reliability issues this race, which was quite unusual. There was a moment where in one lap, there was a Ferrari, a Mercedes and a Renault engine that all broke down at the same time. I think it was Alonso, it was Ricardo and... Bottas. Bottas, that's the one. Um, and it was all kicking off. And as a result of Ricardo and Alonso being in the pit entry, that caused the pit lane to close, which meant that Lewis Hamilton couldn't take his pit stop, which was unlucky because he needed to take a pit stop, as that's part of the rules. You've got to, you've got to race with two different sets of tyres, uh, different compounds of tyres, during a race and he had eight laps to go so that wasn't ideal for him um and as a result he went from sixth back to 12th but then he fought back to the points lewis was unlucky but he wasn't my biggest loser that was sergio perez who had a sensational lap for pole position first of all didn't he jimmy he did yeah beat his teammate which is only the second time he's done it um since he's been at red bull and yeah beat leclerc as well uh, which is equally impressive. So, yeah, very good lap from Perez. And uh, I agree with you, he was very unlucky, wasn't he? He was unlucky indeed because there was a safety car that came out because Nicholas Latifi went into the wall. So that meant that everyone could pit while the safety car was out and everyone else is going slow. Um, and that is what you would do ideally. However, Perez had pitted just a couple of laps before Latifi had the crash, and that meant that he didn't have the advantage that everyone else did. And when it all came out in the wash, he was in fourth position, not first. And that was a real shame for the Mexican, who, as we said, scored his first podium, no, his first pole position of his career in F1 on the 11th anniversary of his debut, no less. Um, he was looking like he could have won that race. Do you reckon he, he would have done if it wasn't for that bad timing of the safety car, Jimmy? Or do you reckon that uh, Leclerc and Verstappen were going to be too much and overcome him anyway? Um, from the pace that Verstappen and Leclerc had towards the end, uh, I think that they were quite far in front of uh, Perez and Sainz. Um, and Perez didn't really challenge Sainz. So I'm not sure... But maybe in the pit stops, they might have, if the pit stops are all equal. Um, it, and what I mean by that is without the safety car and all that sort of stuff. Maybe, um, maybe, but I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't. I think that Leclerc or Verstappen would have come on top, out on top. Now, 
what do you reckon? Which is the faster car? We've we've got the Ferrari and we've got the Red Bull. They're both, we can all agree, the top two cars at the moment. What what would we say is the quickest car? Or is it too difficult to judge uh, with their different advantages and disadvantages? I'd say it's a bit too difficult to judge at this present time. I mean, they've been very quick. I think that Ferrari had the upper hand in Bahrain slightly um with their car um but i think in saudi i think it was about equal to be honest it went right down to the wire didn't it so you know I, i'm not sure it's less than a second the gap between verstappen and leclerc when they finished wasn't it, it yes it almost felt as though leclerc had a faster car on the corners but verstappen had a faster car on the straight and that is why he was able to overtake the Ferrari, but once Leclerc was behind him, he could keep up in the corners, but he didn't quite have the pace to take on the Red Bull in the straight line speed section. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, we will move on because there were many moments of this weekend. What was your moment of the weekend, Jimmy? My moment of the weekend has to be the Ocon and Alonso battle. Um, which was a great battle between the two of them. Quite aggressive in some respects. I mean, you know, the first time uh, Alonso tried to overtake Ocon, Ocon closed the door quite severely and they almost came together. It reminded me slightly of uh, Verstappen and Ricardo in Baku. Yes, it, it had that feel to it. Uh, but the pink cars battling and getting a bit close for comfort... It, it was reminiscent of Force India days, Perez and Ocon, two pink cars swinging at each other. Uh, but this time they didn't come to blows. They they had quite a battle, didn't they? Yeah, and fair play to uh, Alpine for keeping the racing going because they could have easily said, listen, chaps, you know, you don't know both crash and end up with no points, you know, cool off a bit. But they didn't, which was really good. Um, I have to say, I think it did cost Ocon a bit more because I think, uh, didn't Bottas go and overtake Ocon? He did Not indeed. long after. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't the wisest of decisions, but still great for the fans and uh, yeah. Absolutely, it's what we all wanted to see and it was it was a great piece of entertainment for us. Well, Elsewhere, there wasn't a lot going on. You you had the four up front consolidating their advantage. You had Russell in no man's land. You had Hamilton making the occasional overtake as he fought back through the field. But our eyes were glued to that battle throughout much of the first stint of the race. And it was brilliant to watch. Now, I nearly gave that my moment of the weekend. But I'm going to give it to... The moment within Charles and Max's battle for the lead in the final few laps where they both locked tyres, seeing who could cross the um, DRS line second. Because the way it works is there is a line before a, a, a long straight where if the driver is within one second of the car in front. They have the ability to open a letterbox on their rear wing to give them extra speed down the straight and then have a, a potential opportunity to pass. Now, Charles Leclerc being the smart driver that we saw in Bahrain and once again in Saudi Arabia, he saw Max coming and he tried to slow down so that he was crossing that line, that magic line 
behind Max Verstappen, but Max Verstappen, he had a similar battle with Lewis Hamilton where they actually came together last time in Saudi Arabia. We won't talk too much about that, will we, Jimmy? Mm, no, um, no. <laughs> because that might get people angry. Um, but yeah, will. Yeah. They, they were both slowing down to the point that they locked up their tyres. And once Charles saw that Max Verstappen was going in a bit hot um, and and really had lost momentum as a result of, of them both trying. He just put his foot flat to the floor and left Max Verstappen behind. It, it was a really intriguing part of the racecraft that the drivers seemingly need more this season. And I thought it was a really good part of this weekend. And even though I I don't feel comfortable about them, racing around that track in Saudi Arabia for many, many reasons. That was a good part of the track, and it was a compelling part of the race, wasn't it, Jimmy? It was very compelling. Um, that locking up, you know, it reminded me of Bahrain, I think. Or, no, uh, as you said, um, Saudi Arabia last year. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was a great battle. Um, I would say that Leclerc could have kept... Verstappen behind potentially I think he was a bit squirrely and I think that if you slow down for the DRS line you have to make sure the other car goes in front of you or you did what do what Leclerc does and just absolutely launch off at the line and then hope Verstappen in that case would get poor traction that's what happened mm. I think the second time around um, but yeah great racing and, and yeah it, it's uh, as I said before I keep saying it but it's the sign of things to come hopefully it's the sort of racing that we're seeing in Saudi, Ara Saudi Arabia where we're thinking, could there be a decent race in Monaco? I don't know. I don't know. Potentially, yeah. I, I, I know Monaco is even less straight um, and even less room than Saudi Arabia, mm. but oh, the way things are going, anything's possible as far as the racing is concerned. And it was nice and clean. It was tough but fair and it's great to see so there were great moments in the race and that is why we like watching formula one so i'm glad that that is what we we left the weekend thinking about now there is an award that we are moving on to called the honorable mention award we're going to go to you first of all jimmy so i have got uh for my honorable mention perez um he had a brilliant uh qualifying lap uh, as we all know, finishing first, um, out qualifying Verstappen, first maiden uh, pole position, um, and it was a great lap by him. Uh, and yeah, really unlucky in the race, unfortunately, and he potentially deserved to win that race, um, or at least have a better stab at it, for sure. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. And uh, these things happen in racing, and he just has to pick himself up and get onto the next round in uh, Melbourne. Definitely. Now, I've got a little bit of a, a question for you, Jimmy. I, I know that Verstappen is now ahead of Perez in the championship, okay? What if Max Verstappen has a few more reliability failures and Perez has, say, a 30-40 point lead in the yes. championship? Red Bull are the sort of team which needs to well they'd like to put their resources behind one driver don't they yes yeah. are they are they going to put their resources behind Perez or do you think the plan is always to support Max no matter how hard things get for him 
I think the plan is to always support Max, unfortunately. Um, and that's simply because uh, he's a quick driver. And uh, you've seen how sulky he was at the end of this race, you know, grassing up Leclerc for going over the line into the pit lane, which I don't know if he did or not. But it just sort of, yeah, slightly irritates me because he shouldn't be really looking at that sort of stuff. He should be trying to overtake the guy in front. And yes, if he's doing something illegal, you know, it should be punished. But that's up to the FIA. And that's how we got into this the mess that culminated in uh, Abu Dhabi with all this sort of he says, she says rubbish. And uh, and I don't think that that's the right way to go racing. Uh, but in answer to your question, I think that... Uh, I think Verstappen will always be the golden boy at Red Bull. Um, and he's got and, golden yeah, boots now. He has on a golden helmet, yeah. And he's even got a one in his car as well because uh, he's world champion. Uh, but anyway... Lewis didn't do that, but there we go. I don't see why you need to brag about it. Yeah, it's a great achievement, but I mean, you know, you don't have to brag. Everybody knows you're world champion. You don't have to have a number on your car to say you're world champion. You don't have to paint your boots golden. You don't have to put your helmet golden as well. Everybody knows you're world champion. You don't have to rub it in. Get on with it and race. (laughs) Okay. Um, So... That was Jimmy's honourable mention. <laughs> Sergio yeah, sorry Perez. about that outburst, you know. I had to get it off my chest. You know. It feels like there was a lot of pent-up frustration there. Um, Indeed, Jimmy, yeah. you, you were watching qualifying live. I wasn't. How scary was it to watch that mix shoot? I wasn't either. Oh. I was in the pub, yeah. yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I, it was I, a big crash, though. To be fair to him, it was a big one. Yeah. My right, my honourable mention is going to Mick Schumacher because I'm happy that he is safe, and I'm sure I'm not alone in saying that. Because what a horrible accident he had um, in qualifying, and it brought out a red flag, and there were many delays. This track is dangerous, isn't it? But at least Mick is okay, Jimmy. Yeah, it is dangerous. And that's the most important thing that Mick's safe. Um, it's all very well creating a, a racetrack that's the fastest street circuit in the world. It doesn't necessarily make it the best. I mean, if you wanted to create the fastest race track in the world, you just have a long straight going, you know, from Saudi Arabia to I don't know where, uh, 250 miles away somewhere. And it would be the fastest race in the world because nobody would, you know, uh, nobody would overtake first of all but it would be the fastest um but yeah obviously it's great for him to to be uh well and um and yeah testament to these cars i mean there's increased safety measures uh this year aren't there um and yeah i think it, it helped him a lot there definitely it was a 33g incident he didn't race on the sunday understandably uh, that was not due to him being um ill or, or injured in any way it was because Haas don't have enough spare parts potentially if he crashes again uh, to go racing in Melbourne in two weeks time so that's why they chose for him not to race this time around but I'm glad that he is safe uh, we, are, we are all glad that Mick Schumacher is safe and do you think that Mick Schumacher he's 
driving a bit under pressure now uh, that he's got Kevin Magnussen to live up to? Uh, yes and no. I think that um, it will add to pressure a bit because Magnussen's been in Formula 1. Uh, but then again, if he's been in Formula 1 so long, Magnus like Magnussen... Um, it could mean that the pressure's taken off because he's not expected to beat someone who's been in Formula 1 so long. Um, and also he can learn from Verstappen as well, where he couldn't learn from Nikita Mazepin um, because one, it was a bit rubbish, and two, uh, he was a rookie. Um, so, so yeah, it's a bit like Russell going to Mercedes in some respects. I know Russell's not a rookie, but you know he's learning from a world champion and uh, the pressure's not on him to beat him. Um, no, good point. I like that. Uh, so we will move on because it's come to my favourite moment of the podcast is the AJ on the line line of the week. Jimmy, we will begin with you. What's your pick? My AJ on the line line of the week was um, from Leclerc and it was at the end of the race on the cool down lap. And um, he said, uh, well done to Max. He drove a good race. Um, and that was a, a nice end to that race because it was it was getting quite it wasn't obviously as as fraught as the one a year, four months ago, um, but there was little uh, sort of digs at Leclerc from Verstappen and all this sort of stuff, and uh, it was it got quite not aggressive, it got quite heated, shall I say. Um, but yeah, um, it shows a bit of class from him and it's really nice um, to, to see that and hopefully they can maintain this sort of friendship. I think what the clerk's doing, which is very sensible, is doing what Hamilton did last year and just take the wins and then take the losses in, in grace and and that, I don't know, might irritate Red Bull slightly. I don't know. But yeah, um, it's just a nice nice moment, I think. Um, we'll see how the rivalry develops and see see if it's as cordial as we go through the season. But uh, but yeah, certainly at the moment. Do you believe that it's going to remain as cordial or do you think that tensions will begin to simmer as they get closer to the trophy that they all drive for? Um, no, I think that tensions will rise. I mean, you only have to look back a few years ago uh, from Austria and then Silverstone to note that they uh, got very, very feisty with one another. Um, and that was, I think, Verstappen instigated it in Austria. And then the clerk just thought, right, this is how we're going to go racing. Let's go for it. And uh, and yeah. Two can play at that game. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. And that happened last year with Hamilton. Hamilton backed out of 50-50s to prevent a collision. Uh, Leclerc might do it a couple of times uh, and they might come together a couple of times Uh, we just have to wait and see most definitely and it will be intriguing throughout this season to see that rivalry develop my AJ on the line line of the week changed last minute because I saw that Nico Hülkenberg who is filling in for Sebastian Vettel again still positive for Covid um, and Nico Hülkenberg he was asked how he was feeling and he said well theoretically i'm still able to become world champion uh, so i'm going to give it my all of course this was a sarcastic response given that it's not likely that he can have a world championship bid as a reserve driver but i like nico ulkenberg's attitude um to 
to life, really. He, he's able to drive the fastest cars in the world when someone else isn't, and he's ready to be that super sub. Um, but he's still got those ambitions in his head. It's a shame he never got that podium, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, he, he in 2020, didn't he substitute for... Or was it 2021 he substituted for Lance Stroll? It was 2020 that he substituted for Sergio Perez and then Lance Paris. Stroll later on, yeah. Um, yeah, because so, so. I, I remember him I remember him arriving at the track in his Porsche 911, like literally got his bags from home and just went on the autobahn and just yeah, arrived at the track. It's brilliant, you know. He's like the super sub, as you said. Yeah, um, it's, it's a good way to go about it. You just sit around in cafes with your friends, have a croissant or two, yeah, and then yeah. get a phone call. Right, I'm going to be a Formula 1 driver now. See ya. Du, du, du. Do you know how some people keep first aid kits in the car? Do you think he keeps a spare helmet and overalls just in case he has to fill in quickly? I, I imagine he does. Or, yeah, I think he might do as well. Or Aston Martin have it. Or yeah, or he's got an Aston Martin with a helmet and uh, his racing gloves and all that sort of stuff in it, and that, that follows him around wherever he goes. Then if he have to sub in. Literally, they give him the keys. He's a Formula 1 driver, obviously, so he can drive quite quickly. And he just goes to the next track. Obviously adhering to speed restrictions, but, you know, I'm sure he can make time up in the corners and things like that. It's an interesting theory that you raise there, Jimmy. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe if... I think if, I'm onto something. Yeah, you, you probably are. But if anyone has any contact with Nico Ulkenberg, then please do ask him, <laughs> because... <laughs> We'd like to know the answer to that. Now, um, before <laughs> we before we move on um, from talking about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, we can't not talk about what was going on on Friday night in uh, Jeddah. What happened in, in the afternoon? There was uh, a missile that was launched from the Yemenis. Um, and it hit an Aramco oil refinery uh, within 10 kilometers of the track. And you could see uh, on, on the feed during practice, on, like, on, on the television coverage, there was smoke coming out uh, over in the distance. And it was quite a big fire. Um, and it was labeled a terrorist attack by the Saudi Arabian government. Now, the Saudis aren't known for their human rights, and they are at war with Yemen. But they spend a lot of money on the Grand Prix happening. I think it's £85 million that they, they've paid F1 for this race. So there's £85 million reasons that the race should go ahead. However, the drivers, they didn't feel quite so confident um, in the race going ahead. They feared for their safety, for their mechanics and team safety, for the fan safety, and had a meeting with F1, the FIA, uh, the government officials of Saudi Arabia, into the early hours of Saturday morning, 2am to be exact, um, with journalists sleeping on the track to see what was going on. It, it, was, it, was, a, a, it was almost like they were having a sit-in, because... Everyone everyone knew that there must be some discontent from the drivers with the race going ahead because they don't just sit around having a, a four-hour meeting in their race suits with the drivers usually, do they? Um, so there was something up. And it 
appears, according to reports, that leading drivers such as Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso, they were clear they did not want to race and they had convinced the rest of the drivers to stay united and decide that they weren't going to go ahead and race for the rest of the weekend. Of course, that's changed because Jimmy and I have been talking about things that have been going on since then. Uh, Stefano de Milicali, Ross Braun, like I said, government officials and team bosses, they came in and they've convinced the drivers. Um, There's varying reports on how they convinced the drivers, but what are your thoughts on this whole situation that was going on just a couple of nights ago, Jimmy? Yeah, obviously... Uh, it's pretty scary having a missile hit an oil depot, which uh, is probably quite flammable, um, about 10 kilometres from the the racetrack. It's not ideal at all. Um, and yeah, there's been questions surrounding Saudi Arabia for a long while about human rights and things like that. Um, won't get into it politically, but, you know, Boris Johnson was over there uh, a few weeks ago. Um and yeah, Formula One has to be quite careful, I think, because it doesn't, it, it shouldn't look like they're just, they go anywhere where the money is, to be honest, because, you know, you can create all these amazing tracks and all these brilliant races and spectacles. Is it um, an amazing track? Um, It's very quick. I'll give it that. Fastest in the world, didn't you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's quite, it's, it doesn't sit well with me. I mean, there's a lot of money in the world and Formula One tends to follow that money. And the thing with Formula One is it sits in this bubble. So it goes to all these races and worlds worlds and cities all around the... Uh, well, all around the world, yeah. And it doesn't see what's actually happening. It lives in this bubble. You know, they go to the nice hotel, they go to the track, go to, back to the nice hotel, go to the track, and they never get, actually get to see the issues in that country. Um, but however, it's nice to see that F- Formula One takes a stand in terms of the drivers. You know, Seb Vettel and Hamilton uh, with the rainbow crash helmets uh, last year uh, in uh, Saudi and also Abu Dhabi. Correct, and Qatar. And Qatar as well, yeah. And Qatar. I, an interesting one. You mentioned Sebastian Vettel. He wasn't there, and he's usually a leading driver like Hamilton and Alonso are. Um, but I wonder how he would have stood uh, on this situation because Aston Martin is a team that is sponsored by Aramco. So it would have been difficult for him to boycott a race sponsored by Aramco given that his team is sponsored by them. Um, there's a lot of Aramco theme here. They, they got um, their oil refinery blown up. They're sponsoring Aston Martin and they're sponsoring Formula One. Um, it's almost like they were the target of the missile. Uh, but the, but there you go. It would have been interesting to see where where Seb sat on that one. He's all, he's probably almost glad that he didn't have to make that decision, and he had COVID, really, isn't he, Jimmy? Well, yeah, I'm not sure. What was the split between the drivers? Who said they wanted to race and who said they didn't? Because I heard it wasn't unanimous. So I understand that there were five drivers that were pretty clear that they... They didn't want to race. They 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 were like that, but all of them were concerned. Um, I I know that Hamilton and Alonso have been thrown out there as people that definitely didn't want to race. You can kind of 
see Hamilton being that mm. person, uh, leading the drivers in that way. Um, Alonso, he's not usually a political type, but clearly he's because he's older, he's got a bit more of an idea about the world. Um, I understand that Sergio Perez uh, was pretty scared. Helmut Marco made quite a silly comment, actually, um, which I know you'll be surprised by, Jimmy. No, he- really? Helmut Marco makes a silly comment? Because I won't have it, Adam. I don't think he did. I don't <laughs> think he did. <laughs> because he said, um, Sergio is scared, Max is not, but Sergio grew up in Mexico City, so it shouldn't be quite different. Um and it just yeah. felt a bit it's not silly. the best thing to say, is it, really? About yeah. your own driver, but, yeah, yeah. He's quite a well-funded guy. I don't think... I think he would have got that all sorted. I think he probably would have lived in quite a nice part of Mexico somewhere. I think he does, and he did, yeah. Uh, let's not get too bogged down by Sergio Perez and his residence no. um, in his young, younger years. Uh, but... But the point is that we should have that conversation. Do you think that F1 should return to Saudi Arabia or do you think that they should call it a day after all the disruption it, disruption that it caused? Um, I don't, to be honest. Um, no. I think that if, any, if they should focus on anywhere Formula 1 expanding, it should be Europe. Uh, and I talk about this from an environmental standpoint as well because it's all very... Well, jetting off to, say, Miami and all that sort of areas, far from places, um, Dubai, not Dubai, sorry, Bahrain, uh, Qatar and all that sort of places. However, they use a lot of CO2 up and Formula 1 isn't necessarily, I know they're doing a lot and they're trying to go carbon neutral, but they're not necessarily the cleanest sport. Um, And maybe they should go to more European destinations because it's closer and um, a lot less air miles as well. Yeah, well, you you mentioned new races. F1 is booming in America right now and it looks like there will be another race there in Las Vegas. It's going to be the early hours of Monday morning in Europe. Now, I know you're not a fan of that, Jimmy, but surely you got to see it from the sports perspective that they've got a bigger audience in America. They've been trying to crack that country for years. Do you think that They've just got to strike while the iron's hot, or do you think that they've got to be careful that they don't uh, lose their European fan base as a result of chasing that American dream? I think they need to be a bit careful because I think they had a Las Vegas race before and it was basically a car park and it wasn't very good. Nobody liked it and they didn't go there for very long. Um, Las Vegas looks an incredible place, not quite my cup of tea. Uh, Too many... Uh, Elvis tribute acts, I think, and you know, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Are you a fan of Elvis anyway? Not tribute acts, you know. Uh, <laughs> he's an or- yeah, he's a very talented chap, isn't he? Obviously, um, but yeah, I'm getting a bit bogged down here and Elvis tribute acts. I feel, um, but yeah, I think they need to be a bit careful because Formula One is a European sport. Most teams are based in the UK and I think all teams have got a base in Europe some even Haas because haven't they got a base in uh, they do in Banbury in Banbury yeah so so yeah I think that two races I think Circuit of the Americas is a brilliant race um, it's got so much charisma I think Miami uh, there'll be quite a lot of Lamborghinis 
dropped up Lamborghinis and quite a lot of uh, money a show. Uh, it's like the Monaco of the US, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, bit less tasteful though. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, let's not be rude about Miami. I think um, I think the point is that there there is always going to be that tension, isn't there, between going to these exciting places like I can't wait to get up at six a.m. to watch uh, the the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne in two weeks' time. Um, it's good that F1 is going to these far flung far flung places and showing the world because that's what it's all about as a world championship but at the same time you're right it's got to be careful how far is it going to expand 30 races uh stefano Domenicali put out there that's probably too much for the drivers and especially the teams especially in a cost cap it is exactly the cost cap's the big thing i think because you can't rotate staff you can only have a certain number of staff on the books with that 150 million or however much it is um and they were talking about they're all being worn out and all the teams being uh, yeah difficult with difficulties with coronavirus as well. I know that's now sort of sorting itself out, but I mean, well, we got another yeah. wave. Well, yeah, yeah, it would be a real shame. I think Formula One needs to stop chasing money, and that's part of the problem with it being owned by a company that's profit driven. I know all companies are profit-driven, but I mean, under Bernie Eccleston, obviously, because they need to make money, but under Bernie Eccleston, it was a lot more sort of, um, not old school, but got had the origins of Formula One at its heart. Bernie was chasing um, the I money, just, Jimmy. He was, but not as much as, I say, Liberty, Liberty Media. Mm. He wasn't as interested in cracking America, I don't think, was he? Bernie. I th- yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Maybe, there you yeah. go. I'm not too sure. We will move on to two weeks' time. I'd mentioned it. It's the Australian Grand Prix of Melbourne. We're going back. It's been two years. We are. Due to those COVID restrictions. And it seems like a great atmosphere. I've never been, but I'd love to go. The race isn't always mm. cracking, but it's always exciting. There's a bit of adrenaline because you're getting up early to watch an F1 race. And they've got new track design they've they've widened it a bit to try and encourage a bit of racing so you better make sure that you don't miss that race now jimmy we'll begin with your sensible prediction for the australian grand prix in two weeks time i think that uh, a sensible prediction would be a ferrari one two um i think that Ooh. this track is going to suit them um, they may have a bit of trouble on the straights, but there's quite a lot of 90 degree corners and especially the last sector is quite twisty. Um, and the sort of first sector is also quite twisty. So, um, that I think will play to their strengths, but you never know with Red Bull, they'll come out swinging, I'm sure. Um, but what about you? What's your sensible prediction? My sensible prediction is that Valtteri Bottas is going to out-qualify a Mercedes again. He's done it two races running. Wow. And I, I know that, has, yeah. that that seems quite bold, but it seems quite sensible to go along with what's already been going on. He's a great qualifier, as we know. Alfa Romeo have a good car. It seems to make sense, doesn't it? It does indeed, yeah, definitely. Right, we talk about bold. What is bold in terms of your prediction? Um, my bold prediction is uh, George Russell on the podium. Ooh, that seems like a, a yeah. mad race. It does, yeah, but hopefully, I was. I'm thinking that 
uh, over the next couple of weeks, Mercedes can sit down and really crack this car. They've got data from two races now. And they can really look into the data and see what's best for the car and start developing new parts that will help it achieve its potential. Because I do think there's potential in that car, no doubt about it. It's just extracting it that's quite difficult. Okay, so we will see, hopefully, for for the show, a three-way fight, Mercedes-Ferrari-Red Bull. Yes, please. Uh, But my bold prediction... My bold prediction is not to do with any of those teams. It's to do with Daniel Ricciardo in his home race. He's never really had much luck, but I'm going to be bold and I'm going to say that he scores some solid points. What do I mean by solid? Top six. I'm going yeah, there. Yeah, good shot, guys. Yeah. Well, it's pretty bold given McLaren's form, but I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. He's going to deliver some magic now that he's back home. Well, I say home. Uh, Perth is on the other side of Australia, and Australia is quite a big place. But um, it is, yeah, yeah. It's, it always surprises me how big Australia is. But it's going to be exciting yeah. to see Danny Rick back in Oz, and it's been a while and a long time coming, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it'd be great to, to see Danny Rick back. Uh, it's a shame about the car, obviously, but I'm sure he'll have a great time, and he loves his fans. And uh, yeah, no doubt he'll have a great time. Definitely. And it will be a great time when we go to watch that race. So make sure that you are back with us on AJ on the line in two weeks time when hopefully we will have the naughty Joe back with us. Um, Hopefully he's finished his dissertation by then. Otherwise, he is in trouble. Um, Thank you so much, Jimmy, for your input as ever and your... your, um, commitment to the cause because you are here no matter whether it's rain or shine or whether it's saudi or whatever um <laughs> dependable that's what i am don't mean to blame my own trumpet or anything you're like you know. valtry bottas you're dependable um but i also oh, I want to say thank you for listening yes you whether you've been walking the dog playing with your cat um you might not have a pet that's fine you could be in the car or commuting or Mm. cooking i don't know i i often listen to my podcast while making my porridge in the morning um but or a workout or a workout indeed (laughs) whatever you are doing i want to thank you um i appreciate it so much or gardening as well or gardening sorry i'll shut up now forgive me or gardening you're right jimmy um whatever you are doing we really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to aj on the line um and our review of the 2022 saudi arabian grand prix and please do show us some love give us a five-star review uh share this with your friends it really does make a difference for us so if you can thank you i salute you what is key is that we will be back in two weeks time for further content follow me on tiktok aj on the line uh follow me on twitter aj underscore on the underscore line and instagram adamjw44 now all of that is out of the way go and have a good day and a good week and a good fortnight because that is how long it's going to be until we speak to you next time thank you for listening and we'll see you in oz